This podcast is graphic and deals with mature subject matter. You're listening to True Crime Chronicles. For True Crime Chronicles, I'm Will Johnson. My colleagues Jessica Knoll and Spencer Brudig are on assignment this week. They are back in Bartstown, Kentucky, where we are continuing to follow up on a string of unsolved cases that you can hear all about in our podcast, Bardstown. So with Jessica and Spencer on the road this week, I'll be bringing you our story that takes place in a small town not far from Denver, Colorado. And we'll be speaking with Nine News reporter Noel Brennan, who has followed this case closely from the beginning. On December 1st, 2017, a fire swept through a family home on County Road 43. And in the aftermath of the blaze, the family's 17-year-old daughter, Maggie Long, is reported missing. The next day, December 2nd, Park County Sheriff's Office announces that there are no search parties being organized for Maggie. This is KUSA 9 News reporter Noel Brennan covering the case in those early days of the investigation. The Park County Sheriff's Office has not returned our phone calls. They told us there was a meeting going on inside and no one was available to talk to us in person. The one new piece of information that came out today was posted on the Sheriff's Office Facebook page. It says a judge has issued a gag order and no other information will be released for now. Yesterday, sheriff's deputies blocked off the entrance to Maggie Long's home. On Friday, that house caught fire. Investigators believe it was arson. That same day, Maggie disappeared. The sheriff's office hasn't told us if anything was found inside the home. Yesterday, a spokesman said they were trying to figure out, in his words, Maggie's status. Many around town have questions about what happened. Some are reluctant to talk to us and have asked for privacy. The Colorado Bureau of Investigation is involved in this case, but the Park County Sheriff's Office is leading the investigation, so any updates will come from this office. Residents in the close-knit community sense that there's a lot more going on behind the scenes. The people that I was speaking with, um, you know, we knew that what we were hearing on the news wasn't the full story. It just didn't quite add up. So, Noel, an I know that early on, and then even in weeks and months to follow, there was a slow release of information. As a reporter uh, working in Denver and in the area and going into the community, what was that like uh, as this story first came out? So I think any reporter probably hopes that information would come out faster than it does. And, you know, we understand that investigations sometimes move slowly, and we deal with that. But the most frustrating thing about this case was the fact that the initial information that came out from local authorities turned out not to be true. Initially, they told us that Maggie's body had not been found or that no body had been found inside the home. And then days later, we learned that that was simply not true. So that was something that I rarely encounter as a reporter, that the initial information that they're telling us is just false. And it was frustrating that they weren't upfront with us right away. And then do you recall there's this initial also information about a gag order? That seems especially unique. Uh, I haven't heard that much. That seems strange to me, too, that they were so quick to issue a gag order in the case, um, especially when they initially said that a body had not been found in the house. And then suddenly a local judge issued the gag order, which meant that Local authorities, investigators couldn't talk to us about any details on the case. 
Noel, our listeners will hear more about the sheriff in the story, and then actually much of this story is actually overshadowed by a transition between one administration to a new sheriff. But in those early days, had you dealt with the sheriff at the time much prior to this case? Personally, I hadn't. Uh, Certainly our station had. Uh, So Sheriff Fred Wagoner had been with the department for years. I believe he was elected first in 1999. So he really spent his whole career with the Park County Sheriff's Office. And he did lead them through some pretty difficult times. Uh, In 2006, there was a pretty awful story uh, involving Platte Canyon High School, uh, which is in Bailey. And there was a hostage taking at that high school. And there was a 16-year-old girl who was shot and killed. Her name was Emily Keyes. That brought a lot of attention to this small community and a lot of attention to the sheriff's office, to Fred Wagner himself, uh, kind of leading the community through this. Uh, in 2016, there was a corporal with the sheriff's office who was killed in uh, a shooting while he was serving a high-risk warrant at a house. And there were a lot of questions reporters asked to the sheriff's office about how they handled the serving of that warrant and how it ended up with this corporal's death. So I think Fred Wagner received a lot of attention from the media that he maybe was not used to and faced a lot of tough questions. And I think it was difficult for him to get out there and 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 respond to all of these these questions with the Maggie Long case. This is just me reading into it, but yeah, I, it seemed like he was wary of talking to the media and he's dealing with what would become, you know, really high profile murder case. On December 7th, 2017, the week after the fire, that gag order is lifted and the Park County Sheriff's Office confirms Maggie Long's body was found burned inside the home. A police report mentions a potential suspect description, missing guns and ammunition, and that's mistakenly sent out statewide. Do you recall that mistaken alert? I do. So it was a bolo, be on the lookout alert that went out to a number of different agencies. And in fact, uh, it was broadcast in Denver too. We reached out to the Park County Sheriff's Office. The undersheriff at the time, Dave Wollers, told us that that was a mistake and that the alert was intended for the Colorado Information Analysis Center, which is part of Colorado's Division of Homeland Security and Management. And so it was a message that was meant to be shared internally between local police agencies, public safety agencies, and it wasn't intended to be broadcast the way it was. But it it was an alert that had some vague description of a white male that could have been involved in a Park County homicide. So it was strange that it went out, uh, that we didn't know many details. It was just this vague alert that went out. And then when we reached out to the sheriff's office and we're like, hey, is this a suspect you're looking for? They were quick to say, no, that was a mistake. And this is just one of many leads that we're considering. And this was a message that was meant to be shared internally and not to the public. And then certainly the bigger news, though, of that day is the fact that we learned that Maggie Long's body was found burned inside the home. So what started as she'd vanished the home was up in flames, is that her her remains are found. Yeah. And it was something that we suspected early on based on the fact that they told us they weren't necessarily looking for her. Um, It was the news that we expected to hear, but 
awful to have it confirmed. Finally, we learned from the sheriff's office that there was a tenant inside the Long family home, a tenant whom they have not identified to us. The tenant was the, the person who called 911 the evening that the house was set on fire, and the tenant supposedly said that people were inside the house causing damage, and that prompted the response from the fire department who got there right away. So that's been one of the, the big secrets of this case is who is that tenant, what did they see, and why haven't we been able to talk to that person? How much damage was done to the house in the fire? So when you say the house was set on fire, I think everyone's mind goes to there were flames shooting out of the roof, and this was a, a fully engulfed house fire. The tough thing reporting about it was we weren't able to get up right to the house to see the damage ourselves. The Long family house is kind of tucked away into the woods, and it, you, you can access it from County Road 43, but there's a gate on a private drive, and we didn't drive up the private drive, and you can't see the home from County Road 43. So that just kind of gives you spatially an idea of, of what we saw when we arrived at the scene. We were able to have our helicopter fly above it, and since the Park County Sheriff's Office has also released photos from inside the home. I know they posted about six different photos. They posted photos from a bedroom, the kitchen, outside the home, a laundry room as well. And I recall that the laundry room photo shows black marks on a wall that you can see in the hallway, which clearly looks like it was done by a fire. There's noticeable damage to the kitchen floor. It looks like a lot of smoke damage in some of the rooms, but certainly not a fire that would have destroyed the house by any means. And then, of course, we started learning more about the victim in the case, Maggie Long. Everyone describes the 17-year-old as outgoing, someone who cared about her friends and family, even planning to hand out sandwiches to the homeless as a way to mark her upcoming 18th birthday on December 17th. She was an active member of a local theater group where she'd been in three plays. Nelson Conway is a director at the Venue Theater in Conifer. It's tragic to lose any child, but especially to lose that type of energy, that type of, of becoming. Um, is um, horrible. It's horrible. Maggie was a friendly face and sort of like the light in the room. We all love her and we miss her. There hasn't been a day when I don't think about her and just what happened and all these memories come up. On December 17th, on what would have been her 18th birthday, hundreds turn out for a celebration of life for Maggie. I would have days where I would say, okay, Maggie, I want you to go around and say something good about every person in this room. And she'd be like, okay, and be so excited to do it and have genuine things to say about every single person because she truly loved everybody that she came in contact with. And her friends hand out those sandwiches to the homeless. It's what Maggie had planned to do herself. It astounds me that she would give away the day that's supposed to be dedicated to her um, and sharing it with others and then dedicating to people less fortunate than her. Which just, that's Maggie in a nutshell. And, uh, and so today we're just trying to, trying to be more like Maggie. The holidays pass in a blur for many of the people close to Maggie that year, and the following month, January 2018, we learn new details about the investigation. 
Park County Sheriff's Office says it's taking DNA samples from family and associates of Maggie Long. They say this isn't based on any sort of suspect information and it's standard practice. With public frustration growing about the lack of details coming out of the investigation, Park County Sheriff Fred Wagner, along with state and federal investigators, hold the first press conference on the Maggie Long case. Noel, what, what did we learn at that press conference early 2018? So keep in mind, this was two months after Maggie's murder, and it's the first press conference that's being held in February of 2018. So we know from that press conference that they, they upped the reward in the case for information leading to an arrest. They upped that, I believe, from 15000 to $20,000. But the big, big thing, they talked about a burglary that took place in the Long family home the same day that the house was set on fire and Maggie was killed. They talked about a green safe being stolen, some jade figurines. But then what jumped out most to us was some firearms. They said there was a 9mm Beretta pistol that was missing, an AK-47 style rifle, and about 2,000 rounds of ammunition were missing from the house. Noel, at that conference, you actually asked about why it took two months to hold this public gathering about the case uh, and if there was a public threat. Here's what the sheriff said at the time. I guess you have risk and and threat every day, Um, but um, based upon the information that we have gathered, we, we are very confident that we, uh, uh, there is no uh, threat out there right now to anybody else. So, Noel, at that point, you still don't have any information or details about an autopsy report either, right? No, we don't. We don't know how Maggie died. We just know that her body was found inside the house. Over months, we made repeated requests to the sheriff's office, to the district attorney's office, to the coroner's office to release that autopsy report. But ultimately, it came down to the D.A., who suggested that it could compromise the investigation by releasing that report. Later that year, five months later, there's perhaps maybe the first major announcement in the case when police release a sketch of the suspect. Park County Under Sheriff Dave Wohler spoke to KUSA about that release. We're sending a message uh, to any individual involved in this case that we're, you know, we're still actively investigating it. You know, I know the citizens and, and folks in the community are concerned about, uh, you know, how this information is kind of dribbled out. But we've got to, we've got to make uh, very sure and be very certain that we're not jeopardizing the investigation and other potential witnesses. We will get justice at the end for for Maggie. The news gives some hope to Maggie's loved ones and people in the town. You know, somebody's got to recognize him. Somebody's got to recognize the cars. Somebody's got to recognize the items. You know, hey, I saw those at a pawn shop in Denver the other day or something. Noel, we hear from her, from the woman interviewed there, that we, we hear about a car or cars being recognized. What do we know about vehicles being mentioned in the investigation? So the Maggie Long Task Force, when it was created, they released some information about vehicles that were spotted leaving the area near the Long family home. So they just posted a few pictures of vehicles on the website. So it shows an older model Ford F-150 and then two older model vans. One looks like a Ford, one looks like a Chevy. Again, these are just pictures of vehicles that are similar to ones that a witness reported seeing leaving the area the night Maggie was killed. Noel, I want to pause and get your thoughts a little bit about the case now. We're midway through 2018, less than a year after Maggie's death. 
Uh, how is the case affecting the community? Maybe you can tell us a little bit about Bailey, Colorado. Sure. So Bailey, Colorado, it's about an hour southwest of Denver, and it is considered a mountain town. Highway 285 basically runs right through it, and I've reported several stories there, but obviously I don't live there. I've talked to several people over the years um, about the case and about what it's like living in Bailey. One resident described to me there are basically two types of people that live in Bailey. There's the type of person who wants to get away from everything, wants to kind of live that isolated life, that quiet life tucked away in the mountains. And then there's the other group of people, mostly families, that enjoy this tight-knit community. They love the schools. They love the fact that the schools aren't overcrowded, and they love the access to hiking trails and just living in the wilderness. And this woman I talked to who lives in Bailey says she doesn't think before Maggie anyone locked their doors at night, and now, now they do um, based on what happened to Maggie Long. It, it's clear that this, this case really rocked that community, especially the community tied to the high school. Maggie was a 17-year-old girl who was just two weeks shy of her 18th birthday. And I think you touched on it, but she was literally involved in just about everything at Platte Canyon High School. I think she was involved in the debate team, the speech team. She was editor-in-chief of the yearbook. She was in the travel club. She literally did everything. She was in theater at the high school, did community theater. So she was involved in so many different things and touched so many other people's lives that the loss was really felt throughout the community. And I've, I've felt that just covering the case over the past nearly two years now. Finally, in early 2018, there's a change in leadership at the sheriff's office. On the investigation front, the current Park County Sheriff, Fred Wagner, has turned down our request for an interview. Tom McGraw will be taking over as sheriff on January 8th. And he told us he's not yet been briefed on the status of the investigation, but he said obviously what's going on is not working and that this case will be one of his top priorities. Noel, you sat down one-on-one with Sheriff Tom McGraw on the same day he's sworn in as the new sheriff of Park County. And you ask him about the former sheriff's administration and how the investigation was handled. As we've reported over the past several weeks, he decided to run out his term primarily on vacation, living in Florida, coming back and forth between Florida and Park County. But he told me in August he's basically been handling, since August, basically been handling his job through email, the day-to-day. Right. Um, do you think that's, that's an appropriate way for a sheriff to be doing his job in Colorado? Well, I I'm, I'm really don't want to comment too much on the previous administration. I, I will tell you this for myself. I will not do things that way. When, when the final day for me to work here at Park County Sheriff's Office, I will be working to the final day. I will not um, leave the county unattended. I will be the sheriff of Park County until the last day. I want to talk about the, the Maggie Long investigation. Where does that fit in your list of priorities as you take this job? That's a very high priority. Um, I am getting up to speed on that. Um, I have been briefed a little bit on it, but now that I'm sheriff, I can access all the confidential reports and everything. Um, so I'm going to be looking at that here. I'll probably have that reviewed by the end of the week. 
Um, we plan on doing some things here probably by the end of this month or beginning of February. Uh, we'll be holding some, some, a press conference um, to, to talk about the Maggie Long case. Um, I'm going to do everything I possibly can to move forward on that case. Um, I'm not going to get a whole lot of detail right now about it, um, but that is a very high priority case for me. Um, a beautiful young woman like that, we need to find the persons that did that. So what is your hope then moving forward for this case? And can you reassure the community that it won't go cold at some point? Oh, it will not go cold. I can guarantee you that. Um, you know, in these cases, I mean, I've worked five years homicide, so I know some of the issues that happens. Um, sometimes you do stall for a little while, you know, but, but we're going to generate some, some interest here in this news conference we're going to have later on. Um, so I feel confident that we'll have some leads generated and we will keep after this case. Um, I hope that, that we can come to a conclusion with it soon, but if we can't, it will not sit in a, in a box somewhere gathering dust. I can guarantee you that. Noel, we talked briefly about the f- former sheriff, the sheriff at the time of Maggie Long's death. As you reported on this, you learned quite a bit about him and then sort of how he was handling the job at the time. Can you touch on that a little bit? So Sheriff Fred Wagner was nearing the end of his term and was planning his retirement at the time the Maggie Long case happened. So we did an investigation, requested a bunch of records, and we did find that the sheriff was spending a lot of time in Florida while the investigation in Colorado into Maggie's death was going on. It's clear that Fred Wagner went through a lot during his administration. And to end his career with this type of high-profile murder case must have been really difficult. But it seemed like he was ready to, to move on. As promised, on January 25th, 2019, the new sheriff, Tom McGraw, holds a press conference. There is a renewed sense of urgency surrounding the case as McGraw stands in front of the cameras, and we learn new details about more than one suspect. My name is Tom McGraw. I'm the sheriff of Park County Sheriff's Office. Many of you knew Maggie. She was a smart, beautiful 17-year-old girl who was in charge of the VIP section for the concert at our high school on Friday night, December 1st, 2017. She went home that day to get more cookies and water for the audience, telling her friends, I'll be right back. And she was never seen again. We believe this was a targeted crime and that there were at least three suspects still at large. The task force investigation has determined that these suspects spent a significant amount of time in the house with Maggie on December 1st, 2017. And they deliberately chose to take her life. And then we learn what investigators have not yet revealed in the case. Details surrounding Maggie's cause of death. It saddens me greatly to tell you that Maggie was purposely set on fire and burned alive. Previously, we provided a vehicle description and sketch of potential suspects. Over the course of the investigation this past year, we have learned of additional vehicles and suspects that may be involved in Maggie's death. These three men may or may not have prior criminal arrest or be who you might expect to be involved in such a crime. The fire at Maggie's home was set on December 1, 2017. And investigators have determined that one or more of the suspects may have sustained some sort of injury from that fire. These men will likely have relocated, changed their appearance by shaving or growing facial hair, or cutting or growing out their hair. They may have sold or otherwise disposed of their vehicles, and their moves may have noticeably changed since this event. They may show interest in this case, either by intentionally avoiding any news coverage, or alternately, actively seeking to discover any details on the case as they emerge. 
The sketch before you is a mere likeness of one of the three suspects. Please do not eliminate someone of interest simply because he does not resemble a sketch. At least three people are involved and more sketches are forthcoming. Somebody knows these suspects well and lives or works with them. They may not have confessed to the crime, but they may have provided you with clues that something terrible happened in December of 2017. So, Noel, now we're getting a lot more information from this press conference, and we're hearing about three suspects. We're hearing details like one of them might have been injured, that they spent a fair amount of time in the house. This was a lot of information all of a sudden in a case that previously had not had much of that at all. Yeah, this was the most information we learned about this case, and it came, yeah, I believe in January of 2019. So this was the new sheriff now, Sheriff Tom McGraw, who is holding this press conference alongside the Colorado Bureau of Investigation and the FBI. This was held at the CBI headquarters in Lakewood. And yeah, we learned a lot. We learned those that we learned that they're looking for three men who were directly involved in Maggie's murder, that they spent a significant amount of time in the house with Maggie. And then Sheriff Tom McGraw said the words that were the most difficult to hear, that Maggie had been purposely set on fire and was burned alive. And that's how she died. Now, we still have not looked at an official copy of her autopsy, but it was clear that the sheriff wanted the public to know how Maggie died in order to get people's attention, to get people to stop and listen to what this case is, to learn more about who Maggie was, and to get the attention that the case needed to generate leads and and ultimately move the investigation further along. I'm assuming that's that's kind of what his mindset was and why he chose to release those those difficult details. And you do get a real sense listening to the sheriff that he's asking the public for help at this point that they someone might know somebody who had done this and they might even if they had just a, a suspicion to call the tip line, go on the website, make an anonymous tip. All of that is a real outreach to the community. It is, and it's what this case needed from the very beginning. I think the frustrating part about it is that that plea for help would have been much more helpful days after Maggie's murder. The task force was created this year, you know, and Maggie was killed in 2017. So, yes, the task force is pleading for help, is getting information out there, more information than has been released up to this point at all. Um, And yet, I feel like that information would have been a lot more helpful months, months earlier. And, you know, I I think the the sheriff probably acknowledges that. Um, He did tell me that he would have done things a little differently uh, had he been in office when this case first happened. I think he told me he would have made use of talking to reporters, using social media a bit more to get the message out there. Because you can imagine... I mean, I can't remember a car that passed my house yesterday, let alone over a year ago. Um, so that's it's asking folks to do a difficult thing, but I think they're hoping that they will reach that one person who does remember something and is just reluctant to come forward. During the press conference, the new sheriff also announces a town hall meeting the following night at the local middle school to address questions from the community. 
At that town hall, we hear again about the lack of information in the early days of the investigation, but we also hear that the town hall is a welcome sign for residents and those who knew Maggie. It was very frustrating, and it made a lot of people angry that there was nothing ever said. You know, there was no updates. We weren't asking for specifics on the case. We just wanted to know that something was happening and that they were moving forward. And um, the complete silence was incredibly frustrating, and I think it hurt a lot of people and made a lot of people very angry. So the last two days has done a lot to repair that. This is an abundance of information that really helps. So just the idea of now we know it's three guys, that was never mentioned before. And in the beginning, nothing was mentioned. So this is nice and open. It's, it's, a, it's a great feeling. I have faith in law enforcement, and I know, um, I know for a fact that they are still working hard on this case. As it stands today, as we near two years from the date Maggie Long was murdered, there have been no arrests, no one is behind bars. And in December, Maggie's family and friends will mark another year without her in their lives. She had happiness and joy in her life. So let's go there. Let's stay there. Noel, today, as we look at where things stand, uh, the, the sketches of the three suspects was released earlier this year. What else do we know and where are we? Well, the sketches really are the latest thing. We're waiting on any type of update from local, state, and federal authorities. We're approaching the two-year anniversary of Maggie's death. Local authorities have hinted to me that they're going to renew a push to reach out to the public before the anniversary of Maggie's death to see if they can spur any movement in the case. And I'm really hopeful that it leads to something because this family needs closure and this community needs closure. Noel, you've covered this case as closely as anyone in the area, it sounds like, and are familiar with most of the people involved, at least on the investigation side. And then in talking to people in that area, if you hear anything else, if we hear anything else, we will certainly bring that to our listeners uh, right here and, and let them know if there are further developments. We certainly hope so. Yeah, I hope so too. Absolutely. And just a final note that if anyone wants to look into this case further or actually might have some information or something they want to pass along, there is a website. Yeah, MaggieLongTaskForce.com. It gives an overview of the entire case. It includes a layout of the Long family home, and you can view pictures from inside the house. There's pictures of the suspect sketches, pictures of the vehicles of interest, and just information about Maggie. And you can also submit tips directly to that website, which is MaggieLongTaskForce.com. Noel, thanks for bringing the story to us. My pleasure. For True Crime Chronicles, I'm Will Johnson. My thanks to Noel Brennan at KUSA 9 News in Denver. We will be back next week with a new case and a new story. 